Hello and welcome back to the Bicycle Mechanics Podcast. This will be podcast lucky number 13. That's just a couple things we're going to do today. We're going to do a little episode on have you ever, and then we're going to go ahead and we're going to finish up on shop personality. So let's go ahead and get started. So in the category of have you ever, so have you ever blown out a tire in a small space? Well, we've probably all done this one at least once, but the small space is the kind of the, the part here that I want to emphasize. So I've blown out probably maybe half a dozen tires in my time, um, but the worst was when a coworker was checking in a bike uh, in a small entryway that we had in the back of the shop, um, small kind of enclosed space. And he was checking the tire pressure and the tires and the tire blew because it was such a small enclosed space. Um, his ears didn't stop ringing for like half the day. <laughs> um, as far as like blowing out tubes, um, with the introduction of slime, uh, slime tube explosions have become the worst of all. Um, what I, what a mess those are. I've seen some videos online of people blowing, blowing out tubeless, um, and seeing the slime go anywhere and the the explosion from that looks kind of painful if it's up close you can actually kind of hurt yourself so probably one of the worst I've ever seen was um, worst maybe not worst but probably funniest was a, a guy came in and he was on a, a group ride and uh, wanted to buy a, a slime tube and uh, didn't want to pay for us to put it in the extra money at the time I think it was like five bucks uh, labor but he didn't want to do, have us do it, so he figured he'd do it himself. So, uh, And then the front of the shop, we had a big big glass window uh, from floor to ceiling. Um, and we could see him out front uh, filling up, uh, doing his tube change and filling up his tire. We lent him our floor pump, of course. And uh, he had like three or four friends kind of standing around there talking as he was doing it. And uh, I don't know what happened. I don't think he seated the tire right. But the tire blew out and the and the slime kind of went everywhere. It went like all over him, like one of his legs and kind of all over the window too. Uh, it was pretty funny and his friends, his friends kind of laughed at him and he got kind of mad and came in and told us that the tube was, uh, was defective and the owner was pretty nice to him and actually I think he gave him another tube for free and uh, might have helped him do it but kind of let the guy know that it was probably his fault that he didn't have the 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 tire seated uh, properly before he uh, used the floor pump Um, which is which is pretty funny because uh, you know that's why you pay somebody like us five bucks to change the tube even though we might do it too but not probably not as often as uh, as the consumer who doesn't fix his own tire too often so the next, the next have you ever is kind of a funny one uh, to me, but maybe not in the moment. It might not be so funny um, as with most of these. Um, have you ever messed up a, re- a repair on your boss's bike? And the question to the, the answer to that, uh, my answer would be, yes, I have. Of course I have. Uh, so once I replaced uh, V-brake pla- v- uh, pads on my uh, boss's mountain bike, it was a pretty nice mountain bike. It was a light speed um, I think it had like XTR V brakes, I believe, and uh, I don't know what the deal was, but it was some weird brake pad that he that I had never seen before that he wanted on his bike, 
And uh, so I, I installed him on the front brakes. And when he was riding home, uh, apparently they fell off his bike. Um, <laughs> I think I think I must have, have gotten interrupted uh, in the middle of working on his bike a couple of times, which was common in that shop. Um, he, he was pretty cool about it. He brought me the pieces um, to the brake that he could find once they fell off to see if I could reinstall them. Uh, he, I was lucky he was nice about it, but it was, it was pretty bad. Um, so, which kind of brings me to another kind of funny little, little thing that happens in a shop is, um, when, when things fall off a, a bike that you're working on, um, and they kind of disappear, that's really frustrating, but I'll kind of circle back to it. Another customer that came, that came into that same shop. Uh, and he was he was looking for um, a rubber shim for a Knight Rider uh, light mount, handlebar mount. And I remember asking him, you know, I said, uh, I said, well, what happened, you know, to the one the one that you had that came with it? And he told me that uh, apparently um, he hadn't secured it properly uh, and it came loose uh, on, on his commute and fell off. And, but that's not the, the worst and funniest part of the story. So the worst and funniest part of the story is that he was riding uh, over the Golden Gate Bridge on his commute when it fell off uh, and it bounced twice when it hit the ground um, and then went off the bridge down into the ocean. So yeah, he was going to need a new one. So our next one is, have you ever uh, dropped something in the shop while working on a bike, like I was saying before, and just couldn't find it? Um, yeah, and the answer to that is yes, of course I have. Uh, I think we all have. Um, but from, sometimes you find it and sometimes it's gone forever, which is really weird. Um, the last you see of it is when it, when it hits the ground and then it's just gone. Um, kind of like the episode of Seinfeld. If you've ever watched that show where uh, Elaine is at home one night and she drops a grape on her kitchen floor and never finds it. It's just gone. It just disappears. Um, some of the worst things to drop, uh, to lose forever are as follows. I'm sure there are more, but here's a few, a shifter screw, very small, um, shift, you know, like a shifter cover screw, a, uh, a shifter cover, a, uh, a stem bolt, a smaller four millimeter one. Um, once I had a, uh, a rear, a spacer for a rear shock fall off, um, and it hit the ground and I never, I couldn't find it for months. I looked everywhere. Well, I thought I looked everywhere. So, uh, found it months later, um, under the mat. So I think at one point I lifted the mat when I was looking for it, but it wasn't there at the time. Maybe it stuck to the mat. Um, as I looked on the floor, I don't know, but I had to order a whole new spacer kit, which was kind of frustrating. Um, I think it was a a customer who was out of town, so I was lucky uh, that I had to wait for that part. And uh, well, the rear shock was being serviced, but that's a pretty frustrating one. When it hits the ground, you see it hit the ground, and then it's gone. And I usually have a pretty clean shop, um, which means I should be able to find it. And the floors that I've I've had in my shops have been a light color, so they should uh, the parts should show up on the floor, but sometimes they just don't, especially those little springs. If you lose a spring of some kind and it hits the ground, who knows where that thing goes? I have no idea. So let's let's move on now to uh, 
a part that I really enjoyed doing uh, last time, uh, shop personalities. We covered the first five personalities um, in the episode last week. You'd have to go back and listen to episode 12 to um, see what those ones are. But uh, we're going we're gonna to pick this up on uh, shop personality number six. And number six, as I listed them, is the mechanic who is really good um, but wants out of the industry for a better paying job. Don't we all, right? <laughs> while, uh, while in theory this seems like a great idea, um, it often just doesn't happen. Not very often. Usually what happens is this mechanic uh, stays in the bicycle industry but gets a better paying job. Uh, their new position often includes computer work, being a rep for products, warranty department, and sales of some type. Um, this is usually a better paying job, but working on a bicycle on a daily basis is typically not a part of it. Kind of sad uh, for someone who really enjoys working on bi bicycles, but uh, better for the bank account for sure. Um, I have experienced that one a few times. Um, in my career, a few people who left and ended up working, uh, working that way, less of a, a daily wrench and more of a uh, upper management, if you want to say it that way, kind of job, kind of gig, but usually pays a bit better. Um, so number seven uh, is the kid who gets paid or maybe not uh, for sweeping and keeping the shop clean. Um, I've only worked uh, in one shop that had a, a kid like this. I think he was like 12 or 13. Um, all I remember is, uh, is one day he told me that we were carrying the wrong uh, grip shift replacements. And I, being the grumpy mechanic, said, uh, I told him he should uh, leave me alone and find someone who cared. <laughs> Not very nice, but kind of true. And our next uh, shop personality is number eight. It is the I Know Mechanic. Uh, this one is, is pretty obvious. If you're dealing with uh, this character, the words I know flow like a smooth river. It's constant and it becomes background noise after you've, had, after you've heard it uh, enough. I've worked with uh, a couple of these uh, shop personalities. Um, afraid uh, to say they don't know out of fear of uh, losing the status of bicycle mechanic. Uh, this usually doesn't work for long before everyone figures out that they're act that they actually don't know. Uh, number nine, one of my favorites, uh, the tinkerer takes a long time to get anything done. Often, easily distracted by almost everything. They often take a keen interest in the bike in the stand, which isn't a bad thing. But some small things on a bicycle can fascinate them for just a little too long for the, for the boss's liking, that's for sure. Um, they can kind of get lost in their own world, uh, trying to figure out how some bicycle part uh, on the bike in their stand actually works by uh, kind of playing with it. If, they're, if they've got interest uh, internet access, uh, there's, no, there's no telling how long they'll be on a job. Uh, then we move on to number 10. Number 10 is the pig pen. This one can be very entertaining, but not if you, if you come into the, the shop the day after the pig pen didn't finish a job. Um, I've worked with several of these folks. Um, the worst was a guy who was, uh, he was an okay mechanic, but the mess was awful. I remember the floor was dark brown around where he worked uh, and where his hands 
in in work apron were super brown and just dirty. Uh, he would do stuff like uh, snip the cables and housing and just drop them on the floor. Uh, the workbench typically isn't visible through the mass of tools and rags on it. Um, I think um, the the worst part of this mess uh, is left out overnight. Not a good way to start a day. Uh, messy shops overnight that become a habit tend to grow, tend to gnaw away at, at productivity and morale. Um, so this aspect of the pig pen should be stopped after the first offense. I realize this can be tough um, to have this conversation, but you won't regret it usually. Um, I've had mechanics uh, working for me that would kind of start being a, a mechanic, you know, kind of in training and start leaving messes when, you know, when the first time they're left alone to close the shop. And you kind of have to nip it in the bud right away and just tell them they need to clean up at the end of the night. So it, it's, it's kind of like leaving dirty dishes in the sink. You do it once, and the roommate sees it and adds more dirty dishes to the pile. After you know it, you're working around the mess, and it's downhill from there. So moving on to number 11 in the shop personalities, the anal retentive. This one's pretty self-explanatory. You know it when you see it. Uh, it's a rare sighting. Um, tools are set out perfectly, clean space, folded rags, lubes lined up in a row. Um, I once uh, met a guy who, who was so anal retentive, even his bag of chips and sandwich while eating were perfectly aligned on the top of a paper towel. I mean, I'm all for cleanliness, but takes it a bit too far for me, I think. Um, <laughs> so like I said, I've only experienced that one once and it was, it was quite amazing. Um, so moving on, shop personalities, number 12 is the talker. Uh, this one's bad. This one's really bad. Um, always talking, talking about everything all the time. Some of the worst talkers will actually stop working while talking, then walk closer to you while still talking. It makes you want to want to yell, shut up and get back to work. But we usually don't say that, do we? But maybe we should. So number 13 in our shop personalities is the toiler. The toiler is a very interesting character. Um, to toil is to drudge or struggle. Unfortunately, uh, this is an all too common coworker in our business. Always uh, moving, but taking, taking fewer forever to get things done. Everything is a struggle. They often have a way of letting everyone around them know they are struggling. So I've gone over those 13 shop personalities and I would like to introduce a 14th shop personality that I didn't talk about in the original list. And this is the mechanic that we should all strive to be. It's hard to be this mechanic every day, but we can strive to be this mechanic as often as possible. So number 14 on my list is the kick-ass mechanic. Uh, this is the one you want to work with. They punch in and get to work. Afraid of no tasks. No cherry picking with this one. You know the cherry picker, always grabbing the low-hanging fruit. Uh, they don't, don't get me wrong, I've cherry-picked jobs for, for sure in my day, but I know I've earned that from time to time. The ass-kicker mechanic takes setbacks in stride and always learns from mistakes. Nothing is taken for granted. 
the best thing about the kick-ass mechanic is that they can work with all of the all of the mechanics I mentioned. They can work with the grumpy old tech and learn from them. They can work with the independent shop owner and become friends with them, good friends. They can work with the young road racer while admiring their drive to race. They can work with the entry-level tech who has worked on cars and help them to learn a bicycle is very different from an automobile. They can work with the older part-time mechanic who has a full-time job but likes working on bikes and remember how they started working on bikes. They can work with the mechanic who is really good but wants out of the industry for a better paying gig and see there's more to life than being a bicycle mechanic. They can learn from the kid who sweeps and cleans and remembers when they were 13, they just wanted to ride. They can, re they can work with the I know mechanic and know that they don't know and won't know until they shut up and listen. They can work with the tinkerer and just ask why. They can work with the pig pen and just be amazed. They can work with the anal retentive and just laugh. They can work with the talker and tune it out. And they can work with the toiler and be glad they're not that one. So I ask you to strive to be the kick-ass mechanic. This takes time, patience, and a little bit of knowledge and just the will to want to be better. So on that note, I would like to end today's podcast. It's a little short. I apologize for that. But don't forget, if you have any comments about our short podcast today or anything about any of our shop personalities we went over or anything about the podcast in general, the Bicycle Mechanics Podcast, you can email me at the Bicycle Mechanics Podcast at gmail.com or check us out on Instagram at the Bicycle Mechanics Podcast. Until then, have a great day. Thanks.